At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Welcome, BCC family. Welcome, FCC family. And to all those who are watching via YouTube or Facebook, we're glad that you're watching with us this morning. You could be doing anything. You're probably sitting in your bed or on the couch or at the kitchen table, or you might be watching this in the replay. Uh, but I want to say welcome. We are uh, in the middle of a series entitled Keeping Christ in Christmas. And that we're going through the Advent schedule, which is really good. If you miss any other weeks, you can go back and check it out on our YouTube channel, uh, uh, youtube.com backslash Bowie City Church. You can also go to our website and check out our archives there. We are working on getting all this also put on the FCC website and on their Facebook page as well, so that that congregation can go and check out all the videos that you may have missed. But you can go back and check it out. It's been good. Pastor Martin preached the first week. Uh, and then I preached last week, and then this morning, I got one of my good friends, Charlier Shepherd, who's going to be preaching on faith, or I'm sorry, on love, and how love ties in from the Christmas story to your own life when it comes to God's love. Uh, so I can't wait to hear that sermon. This is an opportunity for you to be able to share this video right there. I want you to take the share button and share it. Hit share to your Facebook feed, share it from you know, your YouTube channel that people will know that you are Engage in worship this morning. We're going to be moving to a time of worship where we're able to worship God in spirit and truth. Uh, and so we are this week is the first week we actually have the words on the screen. You know, we're, we're, we're stepping our game up. We're moving in the right direction. So we're going to just transition to a time of worship again. We're going to sing how incredible our God is and his love for us. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to move into a time of worship. And then Charlier will come and bring uh, the message this morning. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are, how much you love us, Lord. Thank you for your, this opportunity that we have to worship you in the midst of what's going on in this world, Lord, how the pandemic and this, how that's all changed everything for us. Uh, but there's so much to be thankful for and to be grateful for. 
So, Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless us, that you would continue to keep us well. Lord, that you, we would listen to the advice of our doctors and our family and our friends, Lord, when it comes to being safe. But, God, even in the midst of that, we know that you reign and that you are the one and true God that we get to worship and know that all our blessings come from. So, Lord, as we sing this morning, as we engage and, and worship this morning, Lord, let the words that are sung via the screen not just be empty words, but there'll be words that actually resonate with us as we worship you and say, God, you're awesome. You're great. We thank you. You're so, you're so powerful. So let us use this time to focus on you from the youngest kid in the room to the oldest person, Lord, that no matter your age, where you are, that we say we worship you, Lord. We thank you. We ask you to meet with us here. We expect you to move. Pray for Charlier and the words you have for him that will be your words and not his own. We thank you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
Good morning. Good morning, Bowie City Church. I am so excited to be able to share the message with you guys today. As Dion said, my name is Charlotte Shepherd. A bit of background about myself. Um, I am full-time staff at FCA at the University of Maryland. Um, and but right now, me and Dion are in the works of moving into PG County, doing some pretty cool stuff with the schools and things like that. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, but what an honor it is to share today uh, with you all. And again, I, I'm in a church right now that I grew up literally two minutes down the road from. I'm in the same neighborhood, drove by this church every single day, and now I get an opportunity to be here and share the word with you. Um, again, I'm so blessed by that. And thank you all for tuning in. It's so cool that you guys are able to do this wherever you are right now. It's pretty cool. God is awesome. Um, so let's pray before we get into the message today. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hope you are as well. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Um, you are awesome, God. And this whole Christmas season, we know, is not so much about us, um, but about you. Um, and may today, when we talk about your love, may the Christmas message be communicated in that way, to show that this is a representation of your love uh, for us as a people, Lord. Um, as Paul and all of those others shared in the New Testament uh, when times came for them to do that, you, you spoke through them, Lord. You, you came over them and you did that. I'm asking you to do the same for me today. May I not be the one up here, but you instead, Father. May your words come through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so today we will be focusing on love. This is our, I believe, third installment of this series. Uh, so we get a chance to do that. So when I think of love, I think of love songs. Okay, love songs are kind of what I grew up, you know, I, I grew up listening to 102.3. 96.3, uh, all those things. And I didn't like it at first when I was five, six, seven years old. I did not, I wasn't feeling the slow jams and things like that. But when I think of that in the chat, put, in, put your favorite love song in the chat. Whatever your, the first thing that comes to mind when you hear love, that love song, think about it, put it in the chat for me, uh, things like that. For me, when I think of love, I got to think of Lenny Williams, okay? Uh, if you don't know who that is, I'm sorry, unfortunately, go look it up and look, look up Lenny Williams, okay? Um, and some of those things in that song communicated that Lenny says, you know, I, I love you no matter what you do, I love you. And another part of that song where Lenny talks about his just, he's expressing his love for this woman, and he says that he watched TV until TV went off. I don't know anything about that. Um, TV stays on nowadays, but back then, I guess it went, it went shh after a certain point. And that's just, when I hear those songs, I'm like, man, he must have really loved this person that he watched TV until TV went off. But that's my favorite song. Put in the chat your favorite songs. But today, we're going to focus on, I have one question I want to focus on, a focus question I want you to think about. And, the, and again, it's another song title, but it's what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? And when I say with it, I mean the Christmas season, the Christmas story. What is, how does love, how does love intertwine into the Christmas story? And today, by the time we leave here, you'll be able to answer that and share that with your friends and your family, okay? Um, but this book starts with love. The book of Luke starts with, with love. And a lot of times we just read this opening statement by Luke, but don't really analyze it. And I wanted, I didn't, when I was preparing for this, I noticed this and thought it was pretty cool uh, to, to look at Luke's love for Theophilus, right? His love there. And check out the language in this opening statement. The chapter, we will be in Luke 1. One through four, give you some time to turn, to turn there. It'll be on the screen as well. But Luke 1, one through four. And this is the NASB version because the language in there was so beautiful. So it says, since many have undertaken to compile an account 
of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in an orderly sequence, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Well, now, when I hear that, I can, I can kind of feel Luke's passion and his love for Theophilus because this is a long letter. This is, we read this as like chapters, but he wrote this as a letter to one person so that Theophilus would be sure of the things that he was hearing. That's what you do for your loved ones. If there's something they don't understand or something they can't grasp, you say, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you get this concept because you need to understand who God is and what his plan was for us. I can only imagine that to write. I don't know how many pages, but it's a long book. And Luke did that for one man, not for a group of people, but for one man. He said he's going to he investigated everything he went through. He read all these things. He, he interviewed. He talked to people. He did all of these things just to write a letter to one person. This book starts off with love, okay? All right, now we want to move to Luke 2, 1 through 7, which is our main scripture for today. Uh, right in the heart, and this is a very you know, popular scripture, right in the heart of the Christmas season, this is it. This is the one, Luke 2, 1 through 7, uh, and it reads this. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quinarus was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of, those, he was one of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant, while they, were, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there were, no, there were no room for them in the inn. Okay? That is what we're going to focus on today. Just that, I mean, that, not so much in detail, but the story around it. What's this baby in this manger have to do with love? What's this Christmas story have to do with love, I, the love between, you see the love that's evident. There's a, a husband and a wife here, but there's a bigger story of love. And we're going to unpack that story of love today from the beginning all the way until this time. All right. So we got a picture. I put a picture up of the nativity scene, right? We all seen this, whether in church, um, on, you know, billboards, uh, wherever, YouTube, Instagram, we see this picture every Christmas season. And this is picture where you see these, you know, uh, you see the people coming, you see the, the baby there, you see Mary and Joseph, you see the shepherds, you see even the animals are taken back in this, in this picture. But this picture represents perfect love. This is picture perfect love, no pun intended, but picture perfect love. I, I think love couldn't be captured any better than this. This is the best love portrait I've ever seen, right? And I want to show you this communicate this through some pictures of my daughter and I. I want to go through this journey with you through some pictures that I found that God kind of put on my heart. I thought it was crazy at first, but he put this on my heart to share with you. So I'm going to go through it by this way. And again, by no means disclaimer here, am I comparing myself to God or anything like that? Um, I, I'm just a practical person. And I want you guys to get this practical steps and these practical tips um, because I, I really want you to get it. 
I want you to understand this love. And these pictures will help us to understand God's great love for us. All right. So the first picture I put up here is a picture of us. Again, you see it in the picture. I am standing tall and Ali is about this little in this picture. Um, but it, it looks like I am, you know, in this moment, I'm giving her an explanation of some expectations. I'm like, this is what I expect. We were on our way to my brother's wedding, and I'm giving her a laundry list of things to uphold. This is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I need you not to do. This is what's okay to do. These are the questions not to ask. You know, the things you tell kids before you go on a big adventure, okay? This is what I was doing here in this moment, right? So what does this picture have to do with anything? Just kind of pay attention to my dominance here, right? I'm standing tall. I'm clearly above. I'm looking down. My authority is present. She's focused. She's looking up at me. She's attentive, right? Just just keep that in mind as we go through these pictures in this story. Keep that in mind. And once Adam and Eve sinned, we're going all the way back to to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, it put us at odds with God. Kind of similar to this picture. God's up here now. We're down here. He's looking down on us. There's something here that happened. There's a separation that occurred, and that separation was sin. Adam and Eve, they had one rule. Don't, don't, don't eat of the fruit. They ate of the fruit. And now that causes division between man and God, okay? Um, Let's read some scriptures that kind of attest to this. The first scripture is Colossians 1, 21, okay? Colossians 1, 21, and it says this. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. So when, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, we instantly became enemies of God. Because God is awesome. God is powerful. God is perfect. And he can't be in the presence of sin. So when sin entered the world, we instantly became enemies. We are at odds with God because we want to go this way and he wants to go this way. That's a rival. That's a that's a tension there. The enemy versus just pure good. Right. Just keep going. The next scripture is Romans 310. Romans 310. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is righteous. No one can stand before this almighty God who is perfect because we all have sinned. And the next verse, Romans 3, 23, says exactly that. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So from the beginning, from the birth, that is what happened. When babies come out, like so cute. And it's a joke me and my wife have. You're like, look at that little sinner because that's what they are. When they come out, you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. They come out crying, I want something. I need something. I don't like this. I don't want that. So they, they scream and cry. You don't have to teach babies to do that. You don't have to teach babies how to take things. You got to teach them how to share, right? Things like that. So keep in mind, that's where we were. With that picture, I was here, Leah's here. It's just, we're at odds at this point, right? Moving to the next picture, okay? The second picture that we see is a picture of us, me coaching soccer, and her again at halftime, this look on my face, if you can zoom in or you can see it, it's kind of like, really, come on. Like, that's the look that I had in this moment because we were in a soccer game and I'm like, why are you playing scared? Why are you acting like this? What's going on? What's going on? And it's like some, some, she gave me some reason and I looked at her like, you can do better than that. I know you can do better than that. Don't give any excuses. You can do it. Don't, you know, these kind of conversations. So again, how does this relate to God? It represents the struggle of a holy God and his people. So from the time of Noah until the time John the Baptist announced Christ, here is the Lamb of God, 
what happened was we had this struggle between God and man, right? And I'm going to take you through some scriptures and periodically I kind of show these things and show this, this just struggle we had. And we heard about some of it in Exodus during the last um, message that we were preaching, the last sermon series, just that struggle between God and man, right? So Genesis 6, 5 through 8 is where we're going to start. Genesis 6, 5 through 8. And it reads, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Praise God for Noah, right? Thank you, Noah. Um, the next verse, we're going to keep moving to Numbers. So we passed Noah, and we, we passed Exodus. We, passed, we, we preached the whole sermon series on Exodus. So you guys get that story. You guys know that story. If you haven't, go back and read Exodus. Watch the Prince of Egypt, one of the two, right? Numbers 14, 11 through 12. Moses is the leader here, and this is what's going on. And the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with the plague. Then I will make you into a greater nation and mightier than they are. All right, we're going to keep going here. All right, so the next one is Hosea 2, 2 through 13. This one's a little long, so follow along in your word. If you, if you get to Hosea 2, 2 through 13, or follow along on the screen as I read it. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and unfaithfulness from between her breast. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show love. I will not show my love to her children because they are children of adultery. The mother has been unfaithful and conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but cannot catch them. She will look for them but not find them. And then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. Then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take out her hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, and all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to Baal. She, uh, she deceived herself with rings. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her loves, but she forgot about me, declares the Lord. Wow. That's hard. And now, what do you, this is a reference here. Uh, Hosea is a prophet, and God is speaking through the unfaithfulness of Israel, his people. He is comparing it to a, a, a wife and a husband, a wife who has taken off and done her own thing, committed adultery. 
than with all these other people. Use the gifts that he has given her and the love that he's given her for other folks, other people. This is what he's saying, right? And I want to make sure we understand this. This continued on and on. This is the same story over and over again. God says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm a ter- then they go, I love you, God. I'll follow your commands. Do your own thing. This continues on and on from the days of Noah all the way. Even, even now, <laughs> we still have some of these tendencies, okay? Let's not look back at the folks of the Old Testament and say, y'all are terrible. We do the same things. But I want you guys to understand. I want you guys, this is kind of sidebar, but love this God too. This God who brings the sunshine also brings the rain. Those scriptures were hard to read because it's like, wow, this guy is kind of harsh. He's kind of uh, aggressive. I, I don't like this guy. I like my God. I like the one who, who says that he's going to do everything for me and answer all my prayers and give me all the things I want. And it's going to allow me to do what I want and still show me grace. I like that God. This is the same God that we serve. He is a righteous judge. He cannot be in the presence of sin. Right. And at that time, this is why it's going to get so good. Bear with me. But at that time, there was nothing there. There was no middle ground. There was nothing that connected us. There was this bridge that was empty, this bridge that just left us on one side of the street to the other. If you ever been on the Woodrow Wilson Bridge when it was up, that's what it was like. One side is a drawbridge. The other side, there was no there was no middle ground there. So God had this this anger and rage. It's a holy anger, a holy rage. He doesn't send those things like we tend to do. But it's because he loves us so much and we're not getting that. So that face that I was making in that video, in that picture, like, come on, you got to get this. Again, we had this conversation already. You got to get it. You got to get it. That is kind of where he was. And I'm not imagining God kind of turning up his face at us. But in that way, his heart breaks every time we run away from his will. We run away from his love. But that's what a father does. If you have a father and your father's in your life, your father's told you things and done things you did not agree with. You didn't like it. You didn't like, why is this happening? Why is this punishment coming down on me this way? But now that you're grown and you get it, you understand why your father put those things in place. Now, it was not out of hate or anger or frustration. If it was, I'm sorry for that. But the perfect will of the father, he does these things because he loves us. And he's going to show how much he loves us and it's going to show in these next couple slides here, right? Let's go back to the nativity scene. Let's go back. Remember how I said there was this bridge? There was this, like, animosity. We couldn't get to God. Here comes, here comes this baby, this holy baby, which at this moment, it doesn't seem like much. He's just a normal child. But this was God's plan. This was God's love. In the form of this child. He said, I'm, you know what? I'm going to put this child here as this bridge. And we'll go into how he is the bridge in a second. So the next picture I have up is another picture of my daughter and I. We're at the bowling alley. Okay? And notice, again, this is, God is good. But notice the difference in my plane. At first, I was here. But as we keep going down, I'm getting closer and closer to eye level. That is something you should pay attention to here. But in this picture, we're at the bowling alley, and I'm instructing her on where she needs to focus, where her eyes need to be, where you should roll the ball to have the best chance at getting a strike or knocking down as many pins as possible, right? This picture represents Christ pointing us, guiding us 
standing in for us and interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. He's guiding us. He's pointing us. He's showing us. From the time he was born until the time he left, this is what he was doing. This is so much things he taught the disciples. He, in the Gospels, you see him leading, guiding, teaching, pointing, showing us, saying, hey, this is the way that you should go. Here are some scriptures that talk about who Christ was and why he was necessary, why he was so important to us all. Isaiah 53 says this. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, for he shall grow, grow up before them as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we are like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened his mouth, not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Bruise him. He, hath, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify man, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death, and he numbered with our transgressions and the bear of sin, and bear the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressions. Wow, what does all that mean? That there is a prophecy from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. What that means, this is talking about, this is exactly what Jesus is saying. This is his redemptive story right here. I'm going to have somebody come to put that bridge in between, that gap. Because the only thing separating us right now is that divide, that sin, that I'm here and you're here, that enemy. But Jesus came, as he said, as a lamb before the slaughter. John came and said, behold, the lamb of God. That's not a coincidence. That lamb would shed his blood so that we could have a chance to get back with God. Right. Let's keep going. John 14, 6. Jesus is here with his disciples and he says, hey, you guys know the way. And Thomas says, no, we don't. Right. And Jesus says. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's telling you. He's pointing. He's guiding. It's me. 
I am the one who's going to bridge that gap. It's me. I'm the one who's going to bear your sins on the cross. It is me. That baby is this person. That baby is the Messiah. That baby is the bridge. All right. This next picture, we're going to we're going to finish. We're going to we're going to capitalize on this picture. This is the one I want to focus on the most because it just changes everything. In this next picture, this is two literally two days from now, two years ago. So our wedding day, our anniversary is Tuesday. Happy anniversary to my wife who's watching at home. See, I learned from these guys. They're laughing. They know. It's two days ago last year or two years ago. I was at a wedding and here I am. For those who don't know the story, Aaliyah is technically not my biological child. Doesn't that sound familiar? (laughs) Sounds very familiar. Because we're not Israel, folks. God's children are Israel. But in this picture here, on this day, I presented her with a ring as well, as well as my wife. And just, again, notice the difference. I started out here, right? Then I kept coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. And in the last one, I was behind, pointing and instructing. This time, where I level, we're face to face, right? What's the significance to that? The significance of that is found in Romans 3, 24 through 26. And this is what it says. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. But he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Come on. Come on. That's it. Right now, again, let's focus on the difference. The pictures are going to be there. Really quick, we're just going to look at the first one where we started. We started in that me, in that dorm room, looking down. The separation, the amnesty, the enemy. Right? We went there. Fast forward now to this present picture. Now we're eye level. Now we can come into the presence of God because of Jesus. Without Jesus, we're here, like that first picture. But now, this is God on his knees saying, son, daughter, welcome. You're back in my presence. I love you because I sent my son to die for you. I delayed my wrath and my punishment for you so you can come to me like like here in this picture on one knee professing my love for you because I did all this to get you back. Though we had amnesty, though you, you time and time again, you ran away with other brides. I've come back to you and given you an opportunity to come back to me. 
God got his bride back. For all my married folks out there, what would you do for your bride? If he or she or your your groom, if he or she was lost or he or she was stranded somewhere, if they call you and say, I'm stuck, I don't have a way out, well, you're not going to say, good luck. You would do whatever you can. If your spouse can't swim and they fell into a pool, I'm pretty sure you would jump in after them. And you would go get them. You would pull them out. And when you saw them again, when you saw that person who was so close to death out of the water and you looked them in the face and they saw you and they confessed their love to you and you confessed their love to them, that's a different bond. To lose, your, to lose a spouse or to have somebody that's divided. And when that comes back, men, for example, when you do something to upset your wife, we all been there, and you try, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And finally she comes back to you and you embrace for the first time. It feels like you're married again for the first time. Because there was some divide there. You did something wrong. She didn't really want to talk to you for a little bit. But now she found it in herself to come to you and say, you know what, I forgive you. And that weight is off your shoulders and you embrace. And you say, I love you. It's different. As I like to talk me and Diane say, it hit different that time. It hits different when you forgive it. It's like, ooh, she didn't like me for the past two days. But I'm back. (laughs) That's what this is like. Because of John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His firstborn son. He sacrificed for you so that you could have life. That is real love. Real love. Unconditional love. That's what that is. So when you see that baby, when you read Luke 2, 1 through 7, and that baby's wrapped in cloth and he's in a manger, your mind should shift to love. Because that baby represents the love of the father for his children. The love of the father for the lost. What would you do? You, you know how hard it is for us to have this kind of love? We give people two, three chances at the most. You keep, look, I can't keep helping you. Family member comes to you before money. You give them money, they blow it. Come back, I need some more money. You give it to them, they blow it. The third time, you're going to be like, uh, get a job, bro. You're not going to just keep giving away your money freely. That's money. God has given away his love <laughs> freely. Though we spit in his face time and time and time and time again. He comes, he finds a way to say, I don't care. I love you anyway. That's unconditional love. I want to read from Hosea, the the finished part of the the best part of that chapter. We read 2, 2 to 13, and it seemed a bit harsh. He was talking about that bride that he didn't really, he was kind of angry at. And he's like, you know what? I'm not doing anything for that. But we're going to read Hosea 2, 14 through 19, and I love the subtitle. It says, the Lord's love for unfaithful Israel. So it shifts from 13, from from that just point of just, uh, uh uh-uh, to this part. Follow along with me. It says, but then, I love the buts in the Bible. (laughs) Aren't they so good? (laughs) It changes the game when you see but. But then. 
I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young. When I freed her from captivity in Egypt, when the day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. Goodness gracious. That's good. Oh, Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant with all of the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground so they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. The Bible is good. I don't have to say, I could have just read today. It was really, really not much for me to say. But look at the language here. I will make you my wife forever. When you say I do at the altar, the day you got married, you said, I will make you my wife. I will make you my husband forever, for better or for worse. Do you not realize that a marriage is a picture of God's love for us? Turn to, you got If your spouse is there, tell them you love them. Flash back to that moment. Flash back to that moment at the altar where you said, I do for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. He says, I will make you my wife and forever showing you unfailing love, meaning that regardless of what you do, I'm going to love you. He says, you will call me my husband instead of my man. Do you not realize what he's saying there? This is the God of the universe. The first chapter of the Bible, the first verse of the Bible, God, God made the heavens and the earth. This is the same. Yes, he deserves to be called master. He made the heavens and the earth. He knows each and every head on your hair individually. He formed you in your mother's womb. He holds the world in his hands, the palm, the palm. That's a penny for him. He got a penny in his hand. That's the world. But yet he's, he deserves master. But he says, I'm going to call. He says, you will call me my husband. I mean, that's the most intimate level of relationship there is. That is love. That is what that baby in that manger means. Is that kind of love. Right. And I'm not even, that's not even done. We're going to keep going. 20 to 23 says, I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as Lord. And the day I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the sky as it pleased for the clouds. And the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines and the olive trees. And they will turn and they in turn will answer Jezreel, God plants. At the time, I will plant a crop of Israel and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved and to those I called not my people. <laughs> I will say, now you're my people. And they will reply, you are our God. And we read this, right? And we look at us. But he's talking to Israel here. Do you not realize that without Jesus Christ, we'd, we're not included in that? Like I mentioned earlier, Leah is not my biological child, but she is my daughter. How is that possible? It has nothing to do with blood, but has everything to do with the love of Christ, the love of God. This is what he's saying here. Because of Jesus Christ, here comes Paul, and Paul's mission is singular. Share the gospel with the Gentiles, us. Without the baby Jesus, without him coming, growing into a perfect man who died on the cross for our sins, 
there is no welcoming into God's family. Do you not realize Paul uses language that says we are grafted in. Grafted means that there's this original piece of cloth. Then I take another piece of cloth and I interweave it with that other one. So now it's part of it. That's what he's saying. That's not possible without the love of God and and without Jesus Christ. You're not welcome in that house. But because of the love of Christ, you are now welcome into that house. I have a Devo, and it's not in there. Dion, it's in my bag. Can you grab it for me? The FCA Bible in there. I have a Devo that I, I found this week, and, and God, I was like, ooh, that was good. I love how when it's my turn to, to give a message, God just continues, continues to show me things throughout the week. I'm stumped. When he, when he showed me this, it was awesome. I thought it was worthy of reading. Thank you, bro. And it's just a, a devotional from the back of the FCA Bible from December 9th, and it says this. I heard a story about a busy intern who worked in the emergency room. An elderly man came in one morning to have stitches removed. He was in a hurry to be treated so he wouldn't be late for breakfast with his wife. The doctors could not attend to him for at least another hour, so the intern decided to take the stitches out herself. While they were talking, the elderly man explained that his wife suffered from Alzheimer's disease and had not recognized him for the past five years. When asked why he still visited her every day, he replied, she doesn't know me, but I still know who she is. That's the kind of love Christ has for us. It's a total unconditional acceptance, regardless of our response to him. She doesn't know me, but I know I still know who she is. So if you're watching this and you don't have a relationship with God, he knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. Imagine that. Imagine going to see somebody who has Alzheimer's who doesn't even recognize you, but your love is so strong for them that you keep going back and back and back because you know their name. That is who God is, and that's what he's doing for you, right? And I want to I get close to the end here. We've all, right, we all know this love chapter of 1 Corinthians, but I want to take you back. Like, I miss, I've been misreading this for, for a while now, just like I misread the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes says, blessed are these people, blessed are this person. So we read it like, we have to be these things. I got to be, in order to be blessed, I got to do this, 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 and this. But that's so outside of God's character. And the Beatitudes, what God is really saying is regardless of what state you're in, poor, rich, healthy, sick, you know, whatever it is, you're blessed because of me. Blessed are those, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ's done. Let's look at that. Let's take that mindset into 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We all say this at weddings, and we've heard it. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, praise God, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We read that and we say, I got to be those things. I got to do this to be loving. No, we're missing it. God is love is what the Bible says. So it says love is, meaning that right now love is. Love is God. God is the, are these things. When you read this, it's, it's not so much what we can do. It's not so much how we have to love. It's showing you this is how God loves. And from that outpouring of this love, we now show this to others. But it's not about us. It's about him. 
That is the love that caused him to put that baby in the manger, that caused him to put that child, you know, to have that child to go through life, to be perfect and blameless, just to die for you. That is what that love is about. No records of wrong. It keeps pursuing. It never loses faith. Always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what that baby in that manger means. The, the question I asked was, what's love got to do with it? Everything is the answer. Without love, without God's unfailing love, that baby means that baby is just a baby. Christmas doesn't mean anything. But because of his love, it has everything to do. His love has everything to do with what the Advent season, with, with Christ, right? And it's the last picture I have, and I want to show you. That's the end result. That picture is the last picture. It's Aaliyah after the wedding. My mom took this picture of her with the ring that I gave her, professing my love for her as well. And in that picture, she's kind of like crying and smiling at the same time. It's like, whoa, she's overcome with this emotion because this is what it's like. Wow, I'm excited. I'm crying. I don't know what to do. When you meet Christ. For the first time, you get to hold out your hand and show that ring and say, my God loves me. I did nothing to deserve this at all, but he loves me anyway. If you've never cried because you were happy, man, you're missing out. You never had that ugly cry and laugh at the same time because that's what is expressive. It only comes from an overwhelming of emotion, and that comes from our relationship with God. You get to show the world this ring you have on your finger and says, my God loves me, but guess what? He loves you too. So go out with that ring on your finger, that, that confession of love. That's why we wear it, so the world can see I am married. I'm in love with someone. Take that ring and show the world that same love. Wear that proudly. Show it to other people. Show them the gift. You want to give somebody that gift for Christmas? The love of Christ is a great place. The love of God is an awesome place to start. That gift never ends. That gift will not perish. That gift will have you in eternal life with the Savior. Show that ring off, family. Show that love off that you receive this Christmas season. All right, let's pray. And in this, Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for the Advent season. We thank you so much for the baby Jesus. He means so much more than just a baby in a manger, a baby born during this time. It is a, he is a complete and total representation of your love for people who were unfaithful time and time again, but yet you won us back. We are your bride. Regardless of if we say, ah, we need to turn our back to you, but you still pursue us and you still love us, Lord. I'm praying for anybody who's watching this now who hasn't experienced this kind of love. I pray that today from this, they're able to see there's a God who loves them. And in the form of Jesus Christ, it is manifested. And they can say, I want that love in my life. And I want to share that love with others. May you bless those who are watching, Father. May you touch that. May they feel your presence and feel your love today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Awesome. That's so good. God's love is so good. It's in the Christmas story, and it affects your life today. Uh, thank you, Shep. I call him Shep. Charlierd, uh, for bringing that message uh, this morning. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity to continue your worship and giving. Uh, you can give to Bowie City Church, or you give to uh, First Christian, but know when you give, you don't give to the church, you give through the church. And so know that 30%, if you're giving to Bowie City Church, 30%, of every dollar given goes out to missions, goes out to feed the hungry, goes to missionaries, goes to local missionaries like myself and, and Shep, who's at University of Maryland, to go and do God's uh, building a kingdom in the community and to parts of the world that we can't even get to yet, um, like, the, like, like the abatements who are going to Peru to write the Bible in an unwritten language. That is the other parts of the world that we aren't getting to yet. So you can give that way. It goes to support those things. First Christian Church, they have their missions as well. Uh, but know that uh, you're not giving to us. It's an extension of your worship. When God's already given to you, you're just giving him back a portion of what he's given to you, uh, So especially during this Christmas season. So we give you an opportunity to do that. You can go to buoycitychurch.com and go to give. You can give there. Uh, same thing at First Christian Church. You can go to their website as well and give. You can download an app called Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. Uh, download that app and then look up Bowie City Church. We're the only Bowie City Church ever existed. Uh, you can click that and then you can set up to give automatically once a, once a month, every other week, once a week, every day if you want. Um, but how are guys leading you to give? Or you can do old-fashioned uh, put check in the mail and the mailing addresses on both websites at the bottom of the page. Uh, and so we're going to continue in worship. But before we move in our last song, which is going to be a Christmas song, so make sure you stick around for that, we want to give an opportunity for you to be a part of the Christmas Eve service. So we know during the pandemic, we cannot come to be together. It's about to get tighter on us. We're going to go almost back to full stage one lockdown come this Wednesday, Thursday, uh, which is a bummer, but it's necessary for the health and safety of the public. But what does that mean for us for Christmas Eve? We want you to be a part of it. So uh, emails are going to be going out tonight, tomorrow morning to both churches. If you would like your family to be a part of the Christmas Eve service, we're going to be reading the Christmas story. And so how this will work, we can come to your house, set up the camera, or you can record it yourself. But we're going to read a passage of it, and we're going to blend the messages, the, the passages together. And so if you want your family to be a part of that, that would be great. You want the grandparents and everybody inside of your quarantine bubble that's allowed to be together to come read it, get in your pajamas, open the Bible and read. Uh, We'll tell you what passage it will be. You do that. My family's going to partake in it. Jason's family. I hope some of the families from FCC will do as well. And we're just going to read the Christmas story together and we'll do movie magic, edit it. And it's going to sound and look awesome, at least in our head. It will. So we're looking for that email to come out. We hope this goes well. Uh, coming out tonight or tomorrow morning, and then you need to respond that you want to be a part of this by Wednesday. By Wednesday, you need to say, yes, we want this. We'll give instructions how to do it on yourself or on a sign-up list for us to come record it, and then, you know, all quarantine with the safe mask out, record it, and then get on out of there. So uh, be looking for that. But we are going to close in time of worship with a Christmas song. Uh, thank you to uh, the Turpins and, and Chelsea and myself for going, thanking myself, but coming to do a Christmas song. And we leave you with this, that God is good, and we are looking forward to Christmas Day, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you again, Charlotte, for, uh, for preaching, and you guys be blessed. If you need anything with us, hit us up on Facebook, YouTube, email us, and uh, that's it. God bless. We'll see you next week.